is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Stocks it, got it! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholtz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. It's a championship Saturday potentially here. Yes, it is. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry. Welcome to the KLIN Husker Hour. Kenny Larrabee's got us live on the KLIN Husker Hour Facebook page at KLIN Huskers. Uh, we've got a good show. We are going to talk about potentially the, uh, the the sad end to a baseball season, um, but potentially a very happy end to a, a tournament championship to uh, the softball team. We've got uh, both of those on the docket. Uh, we'll do a little summer roster reset for the football program as we get closer to summer position previews. Because that is uh, that's coming up pretty soon, uh, and then uh, also some transfer portal news. Oh, a lot of transfer portal news keeps on going round and round. It does not stop, and uh, yeah, the evil empire strikes back. Also, I think that's what some people would call that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's start with a date in the ship, because yes. once again, the Nebraska, the big three Nebraska women's sports are just taking it to the men. And they are enjoying wild success, uh, in in some cases for the first time in a long time, uh, as Nebraska softball gets mm. to the Big Ten tournament championship. They'll play today against Michigan, um, and uh, it it's the the comeback win on Thursday was exciting. The one yesterday was absurd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Um, first, I I wouldn't characterize it as the the women are taking it to the men. They're just they're taking care of business, whereas the men are not. Yeah. Um, like, there, there's a lot of comparisons you can do, but obviously, like, they're not going up against each other. I, I will have some stories coming out. It is historical, the difference between the success of the big three men's programs and big three women's programs this year. But if you go back to volleyball, you've got your, they, because they don't have a conference tournament, you've got your regular season runner-up, your Big Ten runner-up, yeah. and they end up being national runner-up. You have the basketball team, make the conference semifinals, and then make the NCAA tournament. Right now, you've got the softball team. Beat three Sweet, sweet, three sweet 16 teams yeah. in the regular season right. as well. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, all those top 10 wins. Yep. Um, and then you've got the softball team now, who had an 18-game winning streak, number two during the regular season, and didn't get to play the top team. Yeah. Didn't get to play number one Northwestern because of the unbalanced schedules. And now... They still don't get to play Northwestern, but they're in the conference title game for the first time since 2015. Who was that against? Oh, Michigan. And now they get to face Michigan here. Mm-hmm. Nebraska swept them at their place earlier this week, only two of the games, and they're going to be playing in the postseason. And it's so it's so exciting watching these women play, and it's been so much fun to listen to our friend Nate Rohr call these games. We had the first two this week on KLIN. Um, we're going to listen to the Huskers radio network because we've got some other programming um, later this morning. But, man, 10 o'clock first pitch, Nate. Com slash. Whoa, Nate, how excited have, uh, have you been over the course of this week? This is the Huskers radio network. Great team. 
to follow really the entire season long. And uh, they have shown great resilience, great toughness, uh, the ability to bounce back, a great competitiveness. And you need all that to win in the postseason, and especially with the pitching that Nebraska's faced. I mean, the Huskers faced Bailey Partial uh, Thursday against Penn State. She's one of the top pitchers in the league. And then yesterday, Lexi Handley locked him up for the first five innings or so. They finally were able to get to her in the seventh. So they've been tough. They've been resilient. And that's all kind of been at its sharpest here in the postseason. So this whole ride has been a lot of fun. And I think this weekend in East Lansing has been a, a microcosm of their year. Nate set the stage yesterday for that last at bat as Nebraska was was hoping to walk it off. Uh, a a a hit that came for the first time in over a month uh, for a Husker. <laughs> Take set, set the scene and, and kind of walk us through what that was like for you. Well, Olivia Farrell, remember when Nebraska came out here in April to play Michigan State, had homered in both of those games uh, on Sunday. So game two of the series, game three of the series. But that weekend, she sustained a wrist injury. Uh, And if you'll recall, Nebraska played Iowa on Tuesday, and that wrist injury kept her out of both of those games. Courtney Wallace had to pitch both games for the Oscars against the Hawkeyes to get two wins at Boland Stadium. So Farrell hadn't swung a bat in six weeks. And when I spoke to Rhonda Ravel a little closer to that incident and a little closer to the injury, she said she won't swing a bat the rest of the year uh, because she's much more valuable pitching for Nebraska than she is pitching and hitting or being at less than 100%. But Kalen Kinney let off that inning with a double to right center, and you just felt like Nebraska was starting to find their way against Lexi Handley. It took them about a game to figure out Handley when they faced her a couple weeks ago. But Kenny gets the double, and then Olivia Farrell comes to the plate. And, you know, I chatted with Rhonda Ravel for our pregame interview. And she said, even though Olivia hasn't swung, hasn't swung in practice, let alone in a game, Olivia's mind is always working. She's taking those mental reps on the bench. And so she was working herself mentally, and especially at this stage in Liv's career where uh, she's a, a, you know, in her COVID year, a super senior. Uh, she knows what she needs to do mechanically if she knows what the pitcher's coming with. And so she was ready and came up with a deep drive to right center field. The right fielder was guarding the line, uh, trying to take away a double from Nebraska. Uh, but in so doing, that left the gap open. She couldn't get all the way back in time. And Farrell drives in the game winning run yesterday. Now, that's obviously that's what Farrell's been doing. And that to see her come in, get in the circle, and not give up. She gave up just a couple of hits, but not give up any runs the rest of the way. Courtney Wallace giving up two runs in two games is all which is phenomenal, but you've had Brooke Andrews sub in and make a, a, a run-saving catch in right field. You've had um, Ava Breadwell, the Big Ten freshman of the year, obviously came in and caught um, caught Olivia, but she's done some good pinch hitting here. Um, Abby Squire, always big at the plate. She's been so consistent. This whole team as a whole, when the games are this close, has had to step up, and they've done it. 
Yes, they have. And, and that's really been the story for this team from the beginning of the season. Hey, Billy Andrews got off to a historic start this year, but she cooled off. You know, Sydney Gray got off to a great start this year, but she's had her slumps. But, you know, this team is as deep and complete a team as I've seen at Nebraska. There have been other teams that have been more talented. The 2013 team that went to the Women's College World Series, the 14 team that went to Supers that year. Those teams were more talented, but I don't know that they were as deep one through nine and as deep in the pitching staff. And, and, you know, even though postseason tends to kind of shorten your bench, uh, at the same time, if you can get production at the bottom of the order, that can make you really tough. Nate, the day, the matchup today with Michigan in the final, uh, what's the scouting report on the Wolverines? How do the Huskers match up with what they're going to do uh, pitching-wise and then what the Wolverines lineup is, is likely to look like uh, going against the Husker pitchers? Well, uh, you guys mentioned that Nebraska went up to Ann Arbor and swept Michigan uh, in, in late March, but this is a much different and a much improved Wolverine team from the one Nebraska beat uh, up there at the beginning of conference season. Uh, They got off to a slow start, but they've won their last seven and 10 of their last 12. So they've really come on. Their pitching's only allowed one run in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Their pitchers have been a little disappointing before this hot streak, but they've really cranked it up lately. Alex Storacco, the right-hander, Megan Bowlby, and the left-hander, they're both All-America-level pitchers. Uh, and they've both pitched well for Michigan this year. So uh, Nebraska's going to have a real challenge with who they face from the pitching standpoint. Offensively, you know, Michigan's starting to come into their offense a little bit. Uh, but yesterday, albeit against the conference pitcher of the year and Danielle Williams from Northwestern, uh, they mustered just two runs, and those came on a home run in the seventh inning. So the Wolverines are still a little light offensively, even from where they normally are, but their pitching is exceptional. And so the Huskers have had to win two low-scoring games here in East Lansing. I would expect this one to be low-scoring as well. Well, Nate, we, we wish you best of luck on the call today. He's going to be on Huskers Radio Network. You can go to Huskers.com uh, to access that. Pre-game at 9.50, first pitch at 10. See if you guys can can pull that up and do like I did, and I pulled up the Fox Sports app so I could stream the game, and you can get the sync going both ways. You go. So you can listen Ooh, yeah. to Nate on the call while you can watch them there in East Lansing as the Huskers go for a Big Ten title. Nate, thanks so much for your time this morning on Husker Hour. It's been fun to listen through this week, and can't wait to listen next week when we get regionals going. Absolutely. You know, the true artists are on radio, so uh, it's always <laughs> fun when you can get the visual, but also the radio picture the selection shows tomorrow at six on espn too but uh yeah this team story is just starting to be written and uh thanks for having me this morning good stuff thanks nate good luck on the call that's nate Rohr, play-by-play voice of husker softball and uh they are in the ship here coming up uh within the hour we'll hear uh yeah. pregame at nine fifty. you can you can you can keep it tuned here until ten if you want. You can switch over to the Huskers network. Either way, you know. Yeah, we're we're not going to be offended. That is, you're playing for a conference title. Um, and when you look at 
over the course of Nebraska in the Big Ten Conference, it's not it's not super deep when when you're looking at teams and seasons that have won a Big Ten title. Yeah. Um, none of your well, you saw you saw baseball win it. Um, but they got, they, the, they they got, got a regular, regular season. season, right? Like you, you're you're trying to find twice. Where, yeah, they got 17, and then last mm. year as well, right? But you see that conference tournament, yeah. Like the, that, that's not a thing that's come up. You even had the uh, the um, the 2014 team tied for first, yeah, didn't win it outright. Tied for first in the regular season, didn't win the conference tournament. Yeah, the 2015 team made the conference final. Conference tournament final fell to Michigan, mm-hmm. um, so this would be this this would be a big deal. Um, I believe indoor track and field is one. Uh, the men have won a, a conference title. Mm-hmm. You've had some that have been right there. It's just not a bunch when you look across the breadth of Nebraska sports. So today is a very big deal. It's a very big deal for women's sports. Um, what we have seen the three big. Women's sports at Nebraska do over the course of this year, but this is a big deal for the university all the way across the board. So, if you're a Husker fan, I know there are some folks that are still on the on the fence about following women's sports. But you are, if you are a Husker fan, you are excited about success. That's why sometimes it's tongue in cheek, but a lot of times it's not. We get pumped up and jazzed about the bowling team. Why? Because they win. Because they win national titles. You're, you're seeing a national title uh, matchup almost every year. Exactly. That, that's something you're going to get fired up for. And yeah, and, and that's another women's sport, not one of the big three. But look, it, it's not ladies' night. It's ladies' year right now yes. for, for the women's sports. And so to be able to, to watch them, listen to Nate, support a winner... That is what Nebraska sports is all about. You hear Trev talk about it all the time when he's talking about what he's trying to do with the athletic department. It, it's it's all about winning, right? And winning the right way and, and being able to do it on a consistent basis across all the sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women's teams, it just so happens at this moment in time, they've got better foundations laid. They've got a lot better systems in place that they've been able to stay consistent to, that they've mm-hmm. been able to recruit to. The consistency is a big one there. That's it, yeah. And so, I mean, we saw Will Bolt win a title last year in just his second year. He had uh, a pretty good foundation. He had a lot of the the senior leadership in place. Can he do it? Can he build it on his own with his guys through recruiting? Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of junior college prospects that are coming in Nine. trying to flip things. Yeah, uh, that gives you a sense of where he thinks the roster is. I don't know if that's because... Of the injuries, I don't know if that's because some guys didn't develop as they thought or or what the situation is there, but he's not going to sit and let it be. Mm-hmm. He's going out to try to make yeah. it happen. Uh, you saw the big changes in the basketball, in the men's basketball and football programs, mm-hmm. obviously because of uh, some poorer results on the field and on the court, but you're seeing pretty substantial changes in philosophy a whole new defensive system on the uh, on the defense uh, on the basketball side yes you're seeing a whole new offense on the passing game side mm-hmm. in football uh maybe some recruiting shifts as well so those changes need to be made on the men's side because they've got a lot of ground to make up uh the women though they're showing the men how it's done right now and it's a beautiful thing it is it's very exciting and it's and I, and sometimes the narrative gets gets twisted to the part of the women's success takes away from the men's success. No, I'd I want because there's can some, do both. Yeah, there there's sometimes okay. where people say, <laughs> "Would you rather the the winning percentages are traded, and the men were having this success, and the women were being ultra down?" I say no. 
I would get more attention, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I would want I would want them, and that's just because the the way it is that those men's sports are are um, are more revenue generators than the women's sports. Um, We see what volleyball does. It's not to say that they don't generate anything, but that's just the way. Hey, you can fit ninety thousand at Memorial Stadium. Mm -hmm. That's going to generate a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and. So when when you talk about the, the the dynamics between the men's and the women's sports at Nebraska, I would want them both to be successful because think about what those conversations would be like for us every single week, Cole. The conversations we're going to have the rest of the show today, outside of softball, um, and obviously we'll touch on volleyball because there was a, a transfer announcement yesterday. Mm. But it's so much more fun when things are going well. Think about Husker Hour a year ago at this same time talking about the baseball program. Yes. It's so much more fun for us, um, as well as I think there's just more general interest. Everyone wants to read more of our stories. They want to talk about things more. There's so much more discussion. Um, think about why message boards blew up so much end of the 90s. Because, one, you started to have message boards. But, two, you had all of that success for Husker fans. Yeah. That's why you have so many different places. Our personal favorite here, Husker Max. So you go on there and you can interact with other Husker fans. That's why these things are such a big deal to folks, um, especially older than us, that were able to live through those a little bit more. Um, But, man, I would want them all to be successful, not to take away the women to bring up the men, and I don't think the women are, are so successful because the men are not as successful this year. There could be a year where both are pretty down. but. This year is so much fun to follow these specific three women's sports and what they're doing, and it takes nothing away from the men. I just want the men to maybe see some of that foundation. I hope Trev is seeing what the foundation that has been there for these women's programs and the consistency and see that football, men's basketball, and baseball needs to have that same consistency. And you can look into the not-too-distant past to see the success on both sides of uh, the men's and women's aisle, if you will. Mm -hmm. 1995, Nebraska football national champions, Nebraska volleyball national champions. Later (laughs) in that same academic year, Nebraska men's basketball, NIT champions. Mm -hmm. Probably the best team to not make the tournament in Nebraska men's basketball history. You look at 2010, Nebraska women go undefeated in Big 12 play, the women's basketball program. Obviously, the volleyball program was probably pretty good in 2010. I know they didn't win a title that year. Uh, but the Nebraska football program was in the Big, 10, uh, Big 12 championship game that same season. So, By, by the way, the so- the- softball, what would have been that 95-96 year? There you go. Softball made the regional finals. There you go, regional finals. 2005, Nebraska women's volleyball went into the final, lost, I believe, to Washington, won the title the next year. Nebraska baseball was in the College World Series. And then 2006, Nebraska football in the Big 12 championship game. So you can have this all across the different sports. It it can happen all at once. It doesn't have to be a swinging pendulum. You know, the rising tide can lift all boats. That's mm-hmm. that's what I think the dream is for, for Trev right now, and that's what they're trying to build on the men's side. But uh, they've got a hell of an example right across the athletic department with what the women are doing. Absolutely. So, again, 9.50 first uh, pregame, uh, and then 10 o'clock first pitch. You can hear on the Huskers Radio Network. You can find it on the Huskers Radio app as well. Uh, and then uh, you can uh, see and uh, see the game and, and listen to Nate Rohr uh, with the call there. Uh, yeah. Our thanks to Nate joining us. Uh, we've got a lot more to get to. We'll talk about baseball when we get back. Uh, they they fall yesterday to Illinois, and, and the time is running out on their season. Uh, and a summer roster reset 
on where football's at as we go into some position previews uh, later on this uh, this summer. That's all coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Busy Saturday here on the KLIN Husker Hour. You've got the possibility of divisions going away and college football scheduling. Mm-hmm. You've got a transfer, a significant transfer away from Nebraska announcing their destination. Uh, we'll get to all of that. Uh, first, want to hit on some baseball, Caleb, because uh, uh, the sand is running through the hourglass right now on Will Bolt's 2022 squad. Ooh. They, they, we, we were talking last week as Nebraska had nine games left down the stretch. Probably needed to do something like six and three mm-hmm. to make it to at least the eight seed and to get to the Big Ten tournament, which is in Omaha this year. Uh huh. And four games down, they've already got those three losses. You lost the series last weekend to last place Minnesota including just a gut-wrenching Saturday game, leading 8-5 to five in the eighth inning, and you give up the tying runs, and then you lose it in 12, and then just nothing left on that Sunday to lose mm. the series after winning on Friday. And then yesterday, an 8-3 to three loss to Illinois. You had the lead early, you just couldn't stop their offense, and uh, I believe the last 15 batters retired through Nebraska's lineup, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, Nebraska added a couple runs in the ninth. Or yeah, yeah, at one point yeah, in, at in one the midst point, of the game, yeah. 15 straight yeah. batters without... Yeah, up without until they got to that ninth inning. Without even recording a base runner. So you, you you are getting to the point now where it's it's probably just a matter of math and a matter of time mm-hmm. until Nebraska is eliminated from postseason contention. And it's it's a shame because you had quite a bit of potential coming off of the season last year where you made it to the regional final in... Arkansas. Mm-hmm. By the way, they found a stray raccoon last night. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That's, social media. Find that video. Uh, can can <laughs> confirm that stadium is nuts as it is, but put a live animal in there too. Oh my goodness. Uh, but anyway, last year you had a ton of momentum to build off of, and you just got derailed by injuries. Uh, I think those senior departures and the the leadership departures were more significant than we realize as well. And you're you're probably going to be on the outside looking in maybe as soon as this weekend officially yeah. in terms of postseason play. Well, that's why when we had the the preseason rankings come out, I, I said that it was exciting to talk about because yeah. a lot of times you have it doesn't happen in football for whatever reason. Football, if they show any spark, are all of a sudden like, hey, they're getting votes. They're going to get the votes. <laughs> like for some reason, Nebraska football will get the benefit of the doubt even with missing four straight bowl games. On the other side, you saw it with women's basketball, and you saw it with softball, that they have to do almost otherworldly things to get votes in the top 25. Yeah, Women's basketball was not ranked. Women's basketball was not ranked, and they were one of the last undefeated teams in the country. Mm. End up going to the conference semifinals. And were Sof- not- softball, too. Yeah, well, softball... They finally did get ranked. Yeah, they got ranked... But they had to win. <laughs> Took an 18-game winning streak to get there. <laughs> right, yeah. It was it was unreal what they had to do just to get ranked, just to be getting the votes. Yeah. And now they're in the conference title game. Um, so I would expect that they're going to be on the line of votes when those come out this next week. But it's not going to matter because you're going to be in the postseason play. Right. Um, as Nate said, you're going to have those, um, those regionals announced tomorrow on ESPN, too. But 
for baseball, you had that top 25 ranking. And I said it at the beginning of the year, I didn't think they deserved to be a preseason top 25. If you were just looking at the way teams performed last year, sure. But I didn't believe Nebraska had enough returning production to be preseason top 25. Mm. Not that they didn't have the potential to be there. Um, I still believe this program had the potential to be a top five or six team in the league. Um, Top three even. But you had injuries. You had maybe some guys going to slumps that you weren't expecting. Um, So that's one of those times that there's a lot of times we're really happy to be right. This is one of those times we're very not happy to be right. Yeah. Um. So what I looked it up, and for from last season to this season, obviously you lost that pitching. Mm-hmm. Cade Povich, Schwar- um, Schwellenbach being able to come over. I almost said Schwarber. That would have been weird. Um. But you lost a lot, a lot of leadership in Jackson Hallmark. Yes. The, the, Joe Haggy, Joe Acker, the entire outfield. Yeah. The leadership you were able to have out there. The production as. I believe three of your five batting average, three or four of your top five slugging percentage, yep. um, almost all of your base stealers outside of Bryce Matthews. Yep. So like the guys that get on and do something when they're there, um, you lost all of that, and you didn't have anyone really step into that production this year um, on top of, like you said, the leadership part. So yep. now, earlier this week we had talked with uh, with John Bishop. We'd also talked with Greg Sharp. Um, Bishop at sixteen twenty the zone. Greg Sharp, obviously, voice of the Huskers. Um, and it was looking like f- if they could win four of six, four of the final six conference games. Obviously, now it'd have to be four out of the last five. You might um, need to win all five of them. You would be in the ballpark, and you'd still probably need to have a little help. So as it stands right now, Nebraska sitting in tenth at seven and twelve, um, and Northwestern is in ninth, also at seven and twelve. In that eight spot is Purdue. They're only eight and nine right now. There have been some series not played all the way through. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at where that is, I believe it comes down to win percentage. So Purdue still has an inside track on Nebraska. And then you get to Indiana, who's already at nine wins. And then you get into the double-digit wins. Nebraska is going to, I believe, would have to win out, Just about, like yeah. you said, that gets them to six and three over the last nine, which is where we started in the first right. place, and would get them to where they still might need help at the end of that um, for some of these programs. But if you get swept this weekend, which by the way, Illinois is number four in the league at thirteen and six. So this is if you talk about losing a series to last place Minnesota, and now you're playing the fourth place team in the league, those odds aren't in your favor. If Nebraska were to, I guess, even lose one more but especially get swept this weekend, they might be mathematically eliminated from the tournament Mm -hmm. coming into a final home series against Michigan State. Whereas a year ago, we were doing math the second to last weekend saying, can they clinch the Big Ten title this weekend? Just such a different place right now. Yeah, and and you're... You know, you, you paint the picture of, yeah, you probably need to win the last five. That would assume winning a series against a team with a winning Big Ten record, something they have not done this year. And that would also assume sweeping a team, which outside of the Ohio State series, they have not done this year. Um, big assumptions to make, especially trending the way they are. Yeah. Look, the the losses at the front end of the season of Kyle Perry, who was going to be your Friday night starter, mm-hmm. Jake Buns, who was going to be the flamethrower, the, the, fi- the, the fire the fireman, putting the fire out, 
whatever you know what analogy I'm making. Yeah, uh, the guy you bring out of the bullpen to to either you know put some high leverage situations down, get get that bridge to the closer, and then the closer who you thought he was going to close, Colby Gomez, he's barely pitched at all this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really decimated your pitching staff. Uh, you you had some guys step up in spots, Shea Shanneman. Uh, Emmett Olson, yeah. Cody Frank was the Big Ten Pitcher of the Week, even though he was named Frank Cody by the conference. <laughs> uh, and you never really found that closer. You had you kind of cycled between some guys. So they've got work to do there uh, to to rebuild that thing back up. Uh, and then hitting-wise, yeah, like you said, some guys just went into slumps that you didn't expect. Uh, you, you were counting on some guys to provide leadership at the plate. And other than Griffin Everett, you didn't really have it hardly at all uh, on any any basis other than you know maybe for a weekend uh, they they didn't put it together across multiple weekends. You had a fun weekend for uh, Anglem. Yeah, <laughs> has never hit a home run in his in his career. All of a sudden, here's three in three at bats, like against Iowa, no less. Right. So there have been yes. the moments like that, and you yes. can see the sparks. Um, you've seen what Bryce Matthews can do, and obviously he's like he's been injured, yeah. so that further hampers. Your efforts. Um, they've also been trying to cycle, and Bryce Matthews has been one of the guys they've been trying. But um, and I believe Core Jackson's there this weekend. But you're trying to find a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Like you don't realize how big of a deal it is for a guy like Schwellenbach. Like we talk about his pitching, what he's able, what he did at the plate, but just to hold down that shortstop position. Yeah. Um, and so you, you've had the injuries there, but you've had some guys step up at like and just get hot for a time. Max Anderson hit home runs in like consecutive games a couple times. You're like, okay, here we go. There's the spark. This is what the potential could be. And it was just never realized over the course of this entire year. Now, I still say it. You're not out of it. Like, there, there's still a path for you to right. get into the Big Ten tournament and get weird from there. But you have to take care of business right now. The, 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 and I've, we've seen it a few times over the course of the year that just the mentality of we have to go get this has not been there. I don't, I think it's too late to flip that switch and make that happen. But if you can, you make that happen this afternoon, you make it happen tomorrow. Whatever happens with the Oral Roberts series Tuesday, who even cares at this point? Like your non conference doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, just go out of there and get out uninjured. But then come back and sweep the freaking eyebrows off of Michigan State in front of a home crowd that carries you to Omaha and get weird from there. You're not out of it. Yes, mathematically, it's very difficult. It's it's to the point where, like like we have said, you probably have to win out for these last five. Yeah. But that's within your control. That is within your control. And it's, uh, I'm going to talk myself into just being so frustrated with being at this point in the season. Yeah. Well, the, the, the last thing we'll say on this, the, the batting order changes that we've seen this year, too. They, I, the coach has been trying to figure it out. We, 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 we were talking about this at least more than, more than one Saturday about how Will Bolt's got to do something different with the order, mm-hmm. get guys into different spots in the lineup. Look, he's tried it. Mm-hmm. it you, you started the year, Leighton Banjoff started the first few games as the leadoff guy. Then you had Bryce Matthews. Uh, you went, uh, over uh, the court, this is this is a, a single stretch of games. Matthews, Jessen, Anglum, Banjoff, Jessen, 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 Anderson, Anderson, and then back to Matthews. And then for the last <laughs> for the last few weekends, it's been Cam Chick. Like 
you you tried a, a whole bunch of stuff. Really, the only consistency is you basically had either Max Anderson or Griffin Everett uh, in the three or four spot. But even then, you didn't start the season with that. Mm-hmm. Griffin Everett started the season batting number five, and then you had to move him up because he was the only guy swinging a hot bat, and he's been in three or four ever since. I think we said earlier in the year, and this is this has stuck with me. The only thing that has been consistent is the inconsistency. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that is the case, uh, and and that's you know three. Th- this time next week, it'll be three more games down and two left. You'll just have the last two games of that mm-hmm. Michigan State series left by the time we're talking about. And this we'll next know, week. and we will know for sure yeah. if Nebraska still has a chance. Yeah, you'll you'll hopefully still have a shot with a. I say winnable. I mean, technically, all of them are winnable, but you got to do some work in in Champaign, that's for sure, Mm -hmm. to set yourself up to even have a shot next weekend as you close out the home schedule against the Spartans. All right. Uh, When we come back, uh, we'll tell you the big transfer news, uh, and then we'll also run down a little bit uh, of the Husker football roster as you get set for spring position previews. Uh, We are, as Gary Sharp of 1620 pointed out, we are closer to the start of the 2022 season than we are to the end of the 2021 season. Good. So we're, we're close. We're close. Stick with us here on the KLIN Husker <laughs> Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on your Saturday morning. If you've missed any of the morning session, the first half hour, where we had Nate Rohr, voice of Husker Softball, join us. Uh, we can always uh, can always point you to our podcast page at KLIN.com. Mm-hmm. You can head over to the Facebook Live right now or any of the previous week's Facebook Lives. That's at KLIN Huskers. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at the same place. Uh, also on Twitter, I'm at Stukenholtz, and he's at I, Caleb Henry. It's Caleb with a K. Um, we uh, we now turn a little bit to football. Uh, we will get to transfer news uh, a little bit as well. But we, we, we are closer now to the start of the 2022 football season than the end of 2021. And we're going to get to position previews here this summer. And I, I feel like the, the position group or the side of the football that's had the most consistency. Mm-hmm. Which is defense, um, still has some significant question marks, uh, but I, I you're you're gonna feel okay about the situation just because of the consistency that they've shown. Right, Shenander's got that thing. The foundation's laid. The benefit of the doubt that comes with not being a giant liability. Yeah, that's real. You, you know. Yeah, like and obviously there there were times that you wish the defense could have made some more stops. But it became understandable because of what was happening on the other side, right? So, so the the significant departure uh, up front of Casey Rogers, uh, but then the significant arrivals of O'Shawn Mathis, and then the under the radar one in Devin Drew, who's mm-hmm. going to eat up some snaps in the middle, mm-hmm. uh, transferring from Texas Tech. You feel pretty good about the inside linebacker spot with Nick Henrich and Lou Grimer, assuming those two guys are healthy. Outside linebacker slash defensive end, you've got Garrett Nelson, Caleb Tanner, and, and O'Shawn Mathis. Blaze Gunnerson made a few strides. Um, I'm excited to see what Nash Hutmacher can do with a few more snaps in the middle. I think Nash takes a step forward. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to if if you're gonna see consistency continue out of this group. Um, the secondary is where I want to sit uh, and 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 talk a little bit because 
You've got, obviously, Quentin Newsom is going to play a pretty big role as he mm-hmm. was one of the guys last year and, and is going to do that again this year. Uh, the other corner spot, still kind of up in the air. And then both of the safety spots, I think you kind of know who they the coaches favor, but you're not sure right. who's going to who's going to step up and grab that. Cornerback, though, you've got Braxton Clark. Mm-hmm who was the heir apparent it looked like last year until he suffered the knee injury. I know. And then you've got Tommy Hill, the transfer from Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Omar Brown's going to get here as well and be a factor from Northern Iowa. He was the FCS Player of the Year defensively at Northern Iowa. Uh, then you've got Tyreek Johnson, who's transferred from Ohio State, uh, a former five-star. Maybe he makes his mark. Uh, you've got a lot of guys in the mix at that other cornerback spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... <laughs> When we were talking about the team, remember a year ago when we were looking into the fall of 2021, we were like, man, the secondary is locked up. They just got to figure out that other corner. Yeah. And that secondary is locked up. You don't got to worry about them. Cam Taylor-Britt, JoJo Doman at nickel, both of the safeties back. Yeah, you were like, all right, cool. Just keep everything else in front of you and everything's pretty good. And that's yeah. generally what they did. Yep. Like Nebraska wasn't really beat over the top. There were times that there were missed tackles for sure. Someone someone missed an assignment somewhere, but Nebraska wasn't like giving up everything over the top. Um, and now this year, it's like, well, I think things are pretty good with the linebackers and and up front, they've they've done a good job patching some holes. The heck's going on back there? So yeah, that's. I think they've got the guys to step up. They just have to get there. And this is going to be one of the, I believe, recurring themes over the next couple of seasons, not just at Nebraska but other places as well. With that extra COVID year, something that we saw. Make that comparison to baseball. When you have the guys who are able to stick around maybe a year longer than they would have, there's not that same experience that would have gotten starts a year before. Right Now, maybe 20, 2021 maybe wouldn't have gone as well if you don't have some of those guys back. But you would have had the guys going into this year with an entire year of experience. Hundreds more snaps played. Yeah. You know, all of the snaps between practices that they would have gotten those reps. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to take somebody stepping up. And because we couldn't really see anything in spring ball, I'm not going to be your expert on that one today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we won't really. I mean, Miles Farmer, he's played in spots uh, already and it has a, I mean, a couple interceptions and a touchdown to his name. Hey, Farmer's one of our favorite dudes just because I believe you had said it as well. But I, I remember going into a, a Friday Husker tailgate and saying, Miles Farmer needs to get a pick. Yes. If he's going to, if he, because what was it? Cam Taylor Britt was out for that week? Was that the week that. that well, no, it was, uh, it was um, either Don, Deontay Williams or Markel Dismuke. I think it was Dismuke. Yeah. Yeah. D- Dismuke was out for. Oh, uh, targeting. For targeting. Of course. For, so we had to miss a half of football and we're like, yeah. Miles Farmer's going to start. He's got to get a pick. Yeah. And what happens? Ball goes off a dude's helmet and Miles Farmer's like, hello. And he, picked, <laughs> he had two picks in that half. In that half. And we're like, one for a touchdown. We're like, thank you so much for being you. <laughs> so, yes, there are some guys that have the experience in like. Let's be real about this. There is a luck factor in some of these things. Mm-hmm. Miles Farmer on the field, good things happened. Yeah. How much does that play into when you're figuring out the pecking order? Yeah. The the other guy at safety, I think, and, and he shares the on on the defensive side, he gets the award for guy most talked about during spring. Uh, with Alante <laughs> Brown from the offense. Yeah. It was Marcus Buford yes. for the defense. Marcus or Marquise, uh, I think it's Marquise actually. And so Marquise Buford, Miles Farmer, I think if I'm a betting man, those are the two starting safeties going into 2022. The big question mark is that nickel spot. Mm-hmm. JoJo Doman returning, just like you mentioned, it's that classic. 
hey, great, this is a settled spot for 2021, but as far as 2022 goes now, you you see the other side of that in that you didn't get a guy broken in in 2021. Well, and it was like a made-up spot for JoJo. Yeah, you know, it fit so, his skill set perfectly. So you saw see that made up spot for JoJo because he was such a tweener, um, which I think may have been why some folks passed on JoJo in the draft. Yeah, because um, they wanted people that specifically fit a mold for either linebacker or defensive back. Um, but they built part of their defense around what JoJo could do. Where can they move him around to? Mm-hmm. And because you don't have someone that specifically fits that mold for this position with the black shirts, that hampers you going into the next year of, well, if we can't fit that, how do we adjust it to maybe fit a skill set where someone's maybe a little bit smaller and they can be more of a defensive back or they're a little bit bigger and they can be more of a linebacker? Or do you just not really have that position at all and and have guys cover a, a little bit differently? You have to make so many adjustments because... That was just the JoJo position. Mm. Like I know it's the nickel, but that was just JoJo's spot. No one else was playing that. No, and and that's something that you're going to have to figure out. Do you still lean on the same guy to play all of those snaps, mm-hmm. or are you going to try to figure out? Hey, this is a th- this is a passing down. This is a running down. You got Kalarvik in there to to support the run, and then maybe you go with a guy like Isaac Gifford to support in the pass game. Right. You try to pick your spots and run those guys in and out. Yeah. You do. I mean, you do that up front too, right? Like depending on how big. So you're trying to sub guys in and out. Mm-hmm. I think you're just gonna have to be more active about doing that. Yeah. Um, with pretty much your your linebackers there, depending on down and situation and, and all of those things. So it might be a little bit more work yeah. on seeing where guys are. And at sometimes you might have to tell a guy, hey, it's unfortunate, but you're out there. I know he's the guy that we would want in on this passing down, but you better like hold it down in coverage for this play. Yeah. Like there's going to be those situations too. Yeah, for sure. All right, that's the defense. Uh we'll uh we'll probably hit offense a little bit more uh next week. I want to get to the transfer news and then also the scheduling possibilities for the Big 10. Uh we saw what the ACC is likely to do and the Big 10 is considering it as well. Uh we'll run all of that down for you if you missed that during this week uh and get you set for the weekend as we take you through the rest of this Saturday morning on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour is uh, always checking into the transfer portal. And uh, of course, there's more news there. Uh, Let's uh, start with volleyball, Caleb, because... The evil empire got some revenge. I feel like we've got an eight team, an eighteen like player person trade happening that's just <laughs> ongoing between us and that school named Texas. We're finally finding out all these players to be named later, right? We well, like Jordan years. Larson's now coaching yeah, at, at, right. for for Texas volleyball, but Keone Leakana announced that she would be heading down to Texas. We found out a couple weeks ago that she would be transferring away from Nebraska. She was a defensive specialist, led Nebraska in aces, was also top three in digs for this last season. Part of that legion of boom at the at the back end where they just didn't let anything touch the ground. It was the greatest ever game of when you're a kid and you've got the balloon and it just don't let it touch the ground. Keepy uppy. 
They did that in real time with yes. a volleyball. Yes. Okay. Um, so she announced she's going to go down to Texas. When when we had found out that announcement that she was going to be in the transfer portal, it was, well, she probably wants to find somewhere to be a libero and maybe somewhere with a championship uh, beach season. Well, Texas doesn't play a championship beach season, so that's out. But their top person in digs, Nalani Yosia, I probably butchered that last name. I apologize. But was their libero a year ago? As an underclassman, she hit the transfer portal. So Texas had a need. So you you have someone who Texas hosted their regional last year, mm-hmm. was able to host a regional final. So um, for Akana, that's a really good fit to go down there. She's got a Texas um, connection or a Nebraska connection with Larson, who obviously was very successful here. And for Akana, she was very successful here. So there's a little bit that you're going to be able to fit in with. Um, and she will walk in and be that, that libero. So for her, that's a good fit. This is the part where the transfer portal, yes, it stinks that it ends up being Texas, but this is the part of the transfer portal that makes sense is that she wanted to play a specific position. It was not going to happen here. Yep. She went and found a place that it's going to work out, and it's a very high-level caliber program. Yeah. Even if it's a little dysfunctional at times, it's a very high-level um, program, so best of luck to Akana, just like anyone else who does transfer. You guys get Akana, we get Casey Thompson. Let's just keep this thing going, move along. Well, I think what it was was they were waiting to see where some of those football transfers were going to go to. They're like, where are these D-linemen going to go? Oh, they picked Nebraska and over Osha- Texas? And Oshawn Mathis came here, yeah. Is so. that what happened? We're like, we'll give you Akana. <laughs> Got to accommodate. Yeah. On the football side, as as you mentioned, uh, we, we are still keeping an eye on uh, more potential football transfers in. There's still more D-linemen out there. Uh, one of them is from Alabama. Stephon Wynn uh, is a, a D-lineman from Alabama who is transferring. Um, Wynn is uh, a potential transfer over to the Huskers uh, on the D-line. Obviously, you've got... Devin Drew and O'Shawn Mathis already. Uh, Wynn recently visited Georgia Tech. Uh, and then uh, he was a reserve for Alabama. Redshirt senior. He's appeared in 21 games over four seasons. Uh, also visiting this weekend is Stefan Wynn with former Alabama teammate Kane Williams, a defensive back. He was there for one year, was the class of 2021, uh, and redshirted only playing in one game. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nebraska's still working on it. They've already got 12 guys this yeah. season out of the portal, including some defensive linemen and some defensive backs. Uh, so Eric Chenander not uh, not sitting on his hands back there. He's, right. he's going out and get some guys. And uh, not a transfer, but Dylan Royola chose Ohio State. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and better recruiting news on the basketball side, uh, Parker Friedrichsen uh, was a, a guy who was Nebraska targeting. Uh, he had committed to Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. but has since this week just uh, decommitted from Oklahoma State, and Nebraska is still in the mix okay. uh, to get his services. So one door closes, Caleb, and another door opens. The doors are always open. It's not Dylan Riola, <laughs> uh, but uh, you got to take what you can get sometimes. So uh, that's Transfer Portal News. As the, as the transfer portal turns uh, here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll get you the scheduling news that came out this week as uh, the Big Ten could be ditching divisions, could be changing the way they do their Big Ten championship game. Um, that's all on the table right now as uh, they consider some changes. Uh, we'll run that down for you uh, next here on the KLIN Husker Hour. 
your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Don't forget, as soon as we are done, you can kick right over to the Huskers Radio Network, the Huskers Radio Network app, and you can listen to Nate Rohr on the call for Nebraska softball in the Big Ten Tournament Championship. It's being played out in East Lansing. They're taking on Michigan. Chance to win the tournament title. For the first time. For the first time first since time. they joined the, the conference. That would be uh, quite the accomplishment. And then tomorrow we'll find out their regional destination right. as they'll be back in regionals for the first time in a long time. They're going to well. be a scary two-seed for somebody. They will be. They will be. And uh, we are excited to see where they end up and see if they can make that super regional round as well. All right. Uh, scheduling stuff. Right now, obviously, you've got the East Division and the West Division. The winners of those divisions advance to the championship game. Uh, the other option that you have as a the NCAA bylaws or, or whatever is, uh, is you can have a round-robin schedule a la the Big 12. Mm-hmm. That's changing, though. Tell us about it, Caleb. Um, so you're going to be able to drop divisions and change how you do... Your title games. Um, how, how you qualify Yeah, how you qualify it, yeah. teams for your title games. So w- one big one that's been floated out for the ACC, because they have 14 teams, is called the 3-5-5 model. You have three permanent um, opponents every single year, and then because they only play eight games, you have, for the other ten teams, it's five on one year, and those the other five are off. Mm-hmm. And then you switch those the next year. Yep. So every two years, you have played everybody in your league. Over a four-year span, you have played everyone in your league at home and on the road. Mm-hmm. Which I believe should be the goal. Yep. Now the Big Ten also has 14 teams. So I played out a model. You can see it at KLIN.com. Um, but for Nebraska, I set their three permanent as Iowa, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. Yes, Northwestern, not Minnesota. Guess what? You have to fit this in for everyone else in the league. Right. Um, ideally, sure, Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. That might work better with a pod. We'll get to that in a second. But right now with 14 teams, this is one of the, the ways that it came up with. And there are some other ideas out there. I believe one of the writers for The Athletic had an idea that, that switched out some of the teams for it. But yep. um, you would play... Iowa, Northwestern, and Wisconsin every single year, and you would play five other teams year one, five other teams year two. Yes, that would be a proposal for the Big Ten to drop down to eight league games, and the alliance could actually mean something. You could play an ACC team and a uh, Pac-12 team. Now, quickly, if we do it... go up to 16 teams, you looked at possible pods. Yeah, you can do a pod system with four four team pods to make up your 16 teams, and you can still play the other teams every single all four years and you can play all four years uh, over the over the course of four years every single team home and away in the conference so it's it can be done mm-hmm. and you don't play Ohio State every single year for six years in Michigan once which is stupid by you, the way Big you know Ten. by the way what that would look like a three six six mmm uh-oh there you go mix the models all right Husker softball go get that ship and we will see you next week go big red